We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots Podcast. This is episode 157 of the pod. Thank you for your patience, pod. Alongside Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. Scheduling conflicts for this summer. You know, the, the kids have lives too. Uh, I'm, I'm going to actually like to preface, thank you some of you for your patience, not everybody. We have some yeah. people out there who aren't being very patient, who are being very rude. Yeah. I don't appreciate that. Uh, once you start case, signing you know, paychecks, we'll start being nicer. And yeah, you guys, have our, you guys have our yeah, Venmo information. So, so you want a concrete date? You want every Thursday? You want something like that? Venmo's wide open. Yeah, we'll take we'll, it. We'll, we'll see it fit. We will we'll yeah. see it fit when these podcasts drop. I appreciate uh, that. We do have one for you today. Today being June 18th. 18th. June 18th. 18th of the year 2020. Uh, you know, the calendar just seems to be thrown on its head with no sense of normalcy in the sports world or anywhere else these days. But uh, we could be approaching, not normalcy, but we could be approaching a resumption of play in Major League Baseball. At least we've gotten the most promising news of about the last, geez, month to two months uh, over the last 48 hours. Now there appears to be a little bit of ping pong still going on, but it's so hard to keep track of all of these different iterations of proposals, Matt. But my understanding of it is that Tony Clark, leader of the MLBPA, and uh, and Commissioner Manfred sat in a room for four hours in Phoenix uh, on what I believe was, what's today? Today's Thursday, so I think yeah, that it was, was yesterday, like Tuesday, two days ago. Okay. Wednesday or Tuesday. Um, and they just kind of hashed out what each side wants. You would think that they'd be able to speak for their uh, respective parties, Manfred being the owners, Tony Clark being the players, um, but there's still no deal, not even a deal in principle. But the last thing that we heard is a 60-game proposal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the season would start between July 15th and the 20th, fully prorated salaries, which the players have been asking for, and we've long discussed that they are due. Should be getting, yes. 16-team uh, playoff format, so extended playoffs in 2020 and 2021. So there's Major League Baseball shoehorning a little bit of legislation in here. Uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, one of their agendas that they want to get in moving forward. Likewise, with the Universal DH, I think you're kind of split on that in players and management anyway, um, the idea of a Universal DH. We've talked about that here as well. I support that. A geographic schedule, so they're going to make sure that teams aren't traveling as much. Uh, both sides agree to no grievances, so players would not be able to file grievances against the league if something were to happen as a result of this uh, accelerated or shortened schedule. Uh, they'd be playing between 60 and 70 games, and the regular season would end on September 27th. World Series would end in late October. Um, it all sounds fine and dandy, but I don't know why we haven't gotten a green light let's do it see on july 15th announcement so from what it seems like from what i was i mean i haven't read you know many in-depth articles i think i read what jeff passon had to say about it in his article either this morning last night whatever it was when i was scrolling through twitter this morning um it seems like most of these things are agreed on except the players want a longer season um i, I saw six it's too games, late but if it, it's, it, too it, late. it's a little bit too late for that and i mean that yes is that on on the uh, that, that fall on the shoulders of the owners, absolutely. But that's also yeah, it's on all parties involved. It, that's on all parties involved and because we we've ripped the player or the, the owners and rightfully so up until this point. But if if they've pretty much met everything, they pretty. It seems like what the the guidelines that you read seem like they're pretty fair for both sides. 
you know, with the, with the owners getting the more extended playoffs, the players kind of got the universal DH. There were some trade-offs there. They're getting their fully prorated salary. Stop tweeting when and where if you don't actually mean when and where. You got your really good offer here. Yeah, okay, sorry, you're not going to get five more games. That's where this starts to become pe- – this isn't the difference between 48 games and 114 games like we originally proposed. We, we kind of got in the middle here, and if you get to 70 games – then it starts to fall on the players being, okay, what's the difference of five games, really? You're getting the full prorated salary. I, I don't. It, it's past the point where you can play, you know, like you were saying, the 80-game season, the 90-game season like the players wanted. If we're getting 60, 70 games, that's, that's about as good as we're going to do at this point, and they're giving you your money. I really don't see the issue. I, I don't see what's taking so long to take this deal. Yeah, and, and your reluctance to take the deal right now in terms of the players is only going to get you less games. They're, they're operating yeah. on, we talked about it last pod, they're operating on a financial understanding where they can only pay 33% of the players' salaries. Now, this 60-game season would be a bump above that. The owners would be taking a little hit, I guess, if that's your break point, being 33 to 35%. Mm-hmm. You're, you're playing, I mean, I don't know, I'm not good at quick math, but Nobody you're, is. Playing six, <laughs> you're playing 60 games, which would be a third of 180. So you're getting more than you're getting more than you bargained for in the first place. Um, it's just my big apprehension remains that until there's ink on paper on both behalves, I, I just don't know what to believe because this comes – 24 to 48 hours after Commissioner Manfred backtracked completely mm-hmm. from saying there was going to 100% be a season to saying it's a possibility we cancel the 2020 season. Now, was that a scare tactic? Was that a uh, strategy to get Tony Clark to the table? I don't know. But it, the night and day of what we're hearing out of the league makes me believe that until it's done, a done deal, there is still a possibility that we don't play baseball in 2020. Mm-hmm. I think... It- I, I, you were traveling yesterday, so I'm not sure kind of how you were tracking it on Twitter, how you're following the story. So you were you know, traveling, getting home, taking care of stuff, I'm sure. But like it, it originally broke the news. Like Bob Nightingale and those types of people were saying, oh, it's it's done, like a done deal. We have a season. And then like 20 minutes later, it kind of backtracked a little bit. And then an hour later, it's like, well, they haven't even sent the deal to the players yet. It was just Tony Clark seemed to take the deal and didn't immediately give it up. I don't really... I went from it was, it was like the highest of highs to the lowest of lows yesterday, thinking kind of we have a season, and now it's like well, and that, now like you said, it, it's take a step back. This might be a step in the in the right direction, but if for whatever reason, it still seems like there is a lot of work to be done. But it, I mean, it, I just I I don't really know what's going on with these guys anymore. There's a different report every single day. I don't know what took Manfred and Tony Clark so long to get in a room together and try and hash this out as long as they did. I just I don't know who wants to play baseball and who doesn't anymore. Um, the true issue at hand here is that Major League ba- Baseball's collective bargaining agreement is up after next season. Yes. What is to lead me to believe that we are not on a bullet train oh, that's directly good. into a wall uh, to, to relive this situation all over again 12 to 16 months so, from now? Jeff Passan pretty much said the exa- he was on, uh, on ESPN with yesterday or two days ago talking about these exact things basically – if they don't get it figured out this year, they have you know, they're not going to play you know baseball for a full season, and then they're going to have you know a year from now they're going to have these labor negotiations, which will not be in good faith because they're already pissed at each other because of how this is being handled. I don't think you should be optimistic about a full season once the CBA is up. I mean, it, is it, it's up after the twenty twenty one season? You said. 
Because that's when uh, twenty twenty one, correct? Okay, so that's so why they're this doing all CBA that. was twenty seven, twenty seventeen through twenty twenty one. Yeah, so I, I don't see why you would be optimistic that you're going to play a full season in you know twenty twenty one, right? Um, the, the way this is going, the way both sides have handled this, I mean, especially if this drags out even. I mean, it's already dragged out longer than it should, but if it keeps dragging out, what? Well, why, like you said, why would you be optimistic about their ability to come to a table and negotiate? And their big, the bigger picture here is, and there's no answer to this question, but I'm going to pose it to you anyway. Sure. Where I'll, is I'll baseball? Find an answer. Where is baseball five years from now? Because we've talked about it, the possibility of the NBA permanently moving their schedule into the summer, monopolizing the one season that baseball or the three months that baseball usually dominated because nothing else was going mm-hmm. on. Um, that combined with the fact that your uh, billionaire owners can't come to terms with your millionaire players. And yes, I do understand that the average MLB player is not making $40 million mm-hmm. a year like Mike Trout is. But regardless, the optics of the situation are billionaires arguing with millionaires unable to come to an agreement to get a product on field to entertain the American masses. That's, that, that's that's the plain and simple of it. There, there's I understand there's the minutia of the CBA, but your inability to come to terms and and find an agreement, find a common ground to play the game that some people love, that some people enjoy going to games, that some people are casual fans of. The idea of a new baseball fan is non-existent. Your fan generation, your fan creation, is done. It's dead. You're, you're operating in a finite pool of people who give a damn about baseball now. So where is baseball five years from now, Matt? That, that's, like you said, it's not really an answerable question because they are turning off so many of the, you know, like you said, casual fans, the younger fan base that isn't really there up, up, Excuse me, at this point. I mean, you're kind of relying on the generations of baseball fans starting to, you know, keeping bringing their kids to baseball games and kind of keeping it alive that way. And I think you're getting to the point where you have those casual fans who aren't really doing that anymore or as won't be doing that as much if we have this, you know, if we have, you know, more labor disagreements and the sport continues to go the direction that it is. And I had another thought in my head and now I can't think of it. And that's, that's usually how this, um, how this goes. But like you said, we've talked about it millions of times, a bunch of times on here too, is I, I keep coming back to this, another, an easy way for baseball to, you know, win back some of those fans, get some of those younger fans, is their social media presence, their uses of social media, and they just continue to disregard that. I know that's, that's kind of a random thing to bring up right now, but that's something that keeps coming back to me when I think of baseball trying to win young fans over, bring young fans back, or I guess not bring them back because they never really had them. But I mean, you look at the social media presence of all the other sports and baseball just isn't there. It's impossible to watch your favorite stars. And I think that's the first thing baseball is going to need to do if they want to take a step in getting back the younger generation. I keep saying getting back the younger generation, winning over the younger generation because they've never really had them. But yeah, like you said, they're going to have direct competition with the NBA next summer. And I don't think they're going to win that competition if the top story in baseball every day is we can't come to a labor agreement. Like you said, billionaire can't agree with millionaire about how much money you're going to make. Yeah, and I'm sad. just like, I'm just so sour on the whole Everyone situation. Everyone, even the baseball I, I, fans like us who really like baseball, we're I'm, all I'm sour. sour I'm sour to the point where I don't care if there's a 60 game season, a 10 game season, a 20 game season. I'm really not going to enjoy baseball this year. I'm just not, and it, and it's not like I'm uh, standing up 
in, in against or taking a stance against the league. It's just put such a bad taste in my mouth that it's going to be a sour product wanna, all season. Why would I want to support a league that doesn't care about me at all? Why would I want to pump dollars into a machine that doesn't give a damn about its consumer? Why would I want to do anything to further this game? Like you said, we're fans. They don't have to worry about us. They, I mean, they don't have to worry about you. They probably have to worry about me because I could see a life without Major League Baseball. You know, mm-hmm. I've been okay without baseball. I've been worried about the return of the NFL season. I've been okay without baseball. And I know I'm kind of in the minority there of sports fans and people who are really diehards about the game. Mm-hmm. I love the history of baseball. You know, looking back and watching Long Gone Summer on Sunday, say what you want about the production of it. It's it, it kicked up. It kicked up nostalgia. It, mm-hmm. it allowed you to at least watch. You know, some baseball, some old home runs, uh, things that I cared about deeply and things that stirred up those emotions once again. We could live with that. I mean, I I, I don't want to be fatalist about the future of baseball, but I I don't want to do anything this year that makes these owners and players feel that they could get away with this again in a year and a half. I don't. I don't want to support this game that isn't going to give anything back. That's a really, really fair point, and selfishly, I want to see baseball this season just because I I love watching baseball. I, I, I know that it probably directly affects my job in, in some capacity, so I'd like to have a baseball season, obviously. Um, but I, I know that I, I get what you're saying, and if you do have that 60-70 game season, then it does kind of set the precedent that, yeah, well, you know, we can have this argument, we can we can you know, delay as much time we want, maybe not get exactly what we want in labor negotiations, but we can make a couple extra million more dollars and we'll still have a season. We'll still win everybody back. And I, I think that's kind of what you're getting at. And I totally agree. It's going to give the base, you know, the owners and the players, the sense of kind of keep pushing the envelope every time situations like this, well, we got away with this last time. What more can we get away with this time? And I think until there is that definitive, you know, somewhat of a, a, a moment, like, like you said, not having a season that would kind of create the, take away the feeling of invincibility that it seems like owners think they have, if that makes sense. Um, I'm going to draw an analogy here and I don't want it to land poorly, but it's topical. And I think it's where baseball's at right now. Obviously the gravity of the situation is not what I'm going to align it with here, but they say when you put a person on a ventilator, when, when they're at a, when they're at a point when they need that to survive and you know we've we've heard a lot of this through covid and all Mm -hmm. the stuff that's going on doctors often say you can't it's the hardest part it's not hard to keep that person alive on the ventilator the hardest part is getting them off ventilator support Mm -hmm. and it feels like baseball might be on a ventilator right now and taking it off of it is going to possibly be a fatal endeavor I, i hope it's not but yeah, I mean, it. I, I hope it's not. That's kind of all I can say. Yeah, I, I just the money's going to dry up at some point because uh, the game is driven by TV dollars, and if you can't if you can't sell your ads uh, between the innings, uh, the real game, um, then then that TV money goes away, then the money share goes away, then the players take their talent somewhere else. It's not going to happen overnight, but I think it's already happening. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Uh, Matt, we got other baseball things to said. Get to. Yeah, let's talk about golf. Golf makes me it, watching golf makes me happy. Playing yeah, golf. Golf, golf is golf back. Uh, golf, golf set a plan. They moved forward with it, and 
by all estimations, succeeded glowingly in their first week back on the PGA Tour last week at the Charles Schwab Challenge at Fort Worth, in Fort Worth at Colonial. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a star-studded leaderboard throughout. I mean, you had like 15 to 20 guys within two or three of the lead for the majority of the weekend. Uh, the only, I guess, I, w- I wouldn't call it unfortunate because you and I being, you know, niche fans of the game mm-hmm. uh, we know who Daniel Berger is we know who Colin Morikawa is we know Xander Shoffley and I think Morikawa Shoffley a little bit more than Berger are starting to work their way into that um, mainstream the, the normal lexicon of a golf fan a uh, or even a casual golf fan but it wasn't your JT Spieth DJ finish that we were you know had our fingers crossed yeah for we were talking DJ about it we were on the, out early but we were on the golf course on Sunday and I think it was uh, Brian Seno had the phone I was kind of tracking it was like telling us who was in the playoffs like you know I know those guys but CBS has got to be kind of upset with all the names that you saw at the top of the leaderboard I mean Rory was up there uh, Spieth was making his runs I mean, uh, John Rahm I think was up there for but they had they had all the big names up there at the beginning at, at, at on top of the leaderboard for a lot of the tournament. And then those were the guys you kind of came away with in the playoff. I think CBS for as, as good as those ratings probably were being, you know, the, the first mm-hmm. real American sport back, they probably were a little bit upset that they didn't have uh, some, some bigger names in that playoff, but still yeah. a playoff is, is more golf better than not having it. And I, I'm sure uh, that was, I, I, I don't rem- thrilled with how that turned out. I don't remember the exact framing of it, but I, I read a tweet, something along the lines from CBS PR that it was, the most watched non-major final round since like a really long time ago. So people right. are dying for anything uh, to to watch right now. Even since Tiger at Eastlake, uh, I believe. If you if you wax poetic here for a moment, I will okay. find the actual tweet because I remember the account that uh, put it out. And I do want to get this. I guess it was right, it, but it was because Tiger at Eastlake was, was what the finale of the FedEx Cup, and that was his first yes. time back since being like since two thousand eight, pretty much. But it was. I mean, it still was golf, and there was still. I mean, there, I believe that was in September, so you had other Excuse things me. going on too. It was that the most sense. watched really final the only round. It's the most watched final round of the Charles Schwab Challenge in oh. sixteen years. Oh, okay. uh, well, that's not so. You know, not as not as jarring, but still, final round average three point three point oh nine one million viewers, up fifty percent from last year. So, if that's and not to go back to baseball, but if that's any indication. Um, all you got to do is put a product out right yeah, now. Like that's, doesn't, it that's doesn't all you have to be the best thing in the world. I mean, it, it was the Colonial. You know, it was Colonial with Daniel Berger and Colin Morikawa in a playoff, and it did that well. Yeah. So all you got to do is all you got to do is get the guys out on the field or out on the course, and uh, you're going to have the eyes there that follow. So, um, but no, d- just to go golf specific here, it was a great tournament. Um, all of those big names were there. All those big names jumped on a charter and are now headed to the RBC, mm-hmm. uh, which just started. Oh, it's underway. Three hours ago, yep. early groups uh, are off the tee at uh, the RBC Heritage in Harbortown. There was a little moment there where it looked like Tiger might. Play. I saw we were going to get him. He, he sent us a little misdirection. Uh, privacy, the uh, the super yacht, was yeah. working up the eastern seaboard, but apparently his son Charlie had a tournament uh, that uh, they took the yacht to. So you know, oh, you know, tough nice. times, yeah. tough times. Uh, but likely to see Tiger either at uh, at Jack's at uh, Memorial mm-hmm. or the week prior, which is the uh, Farmers Insurance Open. So now, those are the two logical places for him to come back. It would just be odd if he did Farmers because then he'd have to play back to back Farmers and Memorial. How much of the tournament last week did you end up watching? 
Um, a ton because we were doing I I anchored like our coverage. So you got yeah. So you uh, had Thursday, Friday. I watched almost every shot, and then Saturday uh, watched a little bit, and then jumped on a plane. So now um, I know golf is a sport that can probably get away without you know more than others without having fans around, um, mm-hmm. just because you know it's obviously not as loud. The atmosphere isn't you know raucous, relying on fan bases and all that didn't stuff. Didn't bother me one bit. I didn't notice it at all. What? Granted, we weren't watching you know Sunday when people were charging in a playoff, so maybe yeah. I do miss the roars a little bit there. I remember sitting. I was watching with my dad on Thursday, you know, afternoon, and about an hour into watching the covers, like, hey, I gotta be honest with you. I just noticed now that there's not a single fan there. Like, I haven't. It didn't make one bit of difference to me at all whatsoever. It seemed like because the exact here's the thing, same Matt. thing. Here's the thing. When you're and we've both been at golf tournaments, eighty percent of the crowd is following two or three groups. Like most of the golf being played at a tournament is being played in front of less than a hundred people. Like mm-hmm. especially when you have a field like Jordan Spieth. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, yeah. uh, Daniel Ber- not Daniel Berger, but John Rahm. Like when you have when you have the entire top five and fifteen of the top twenty players in the world on the course, there are going to be big name players like Brooks Kepka who are only playing in front of a group of a hundred people yeah. because the masses are out following Tiger, the masses are out following Spieth, the masses are out following someone else. So we're used to seeing really good players hit shots with little reaction. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that's making sense, but that's why it wasn't that jarring to see it otherwise. Yes, maybe on you know coming down the stretch, you don't have the roars, you don't have the reaction, you don't have the, the jarring ooh when Xander Shoffley pulls a full 360 lip out. Like, yeah. You don't have the... Ah, when Colin Morikawa misses a tiny little, but like putt. you still feel, um, you feel like you almost feel that like inside when you're watching that. And quite honestly, yeah. sometimes when you're watching that and you're that into it, you get that reaction from yourself. Like you hear yourself, now, like oh, like you know. Well, that I think you just I think you just struck a chord because when we watch golf, I think we're more emulating the emotion of the player than the fan. Yeah. Whereas when we watch basketball and football at the highest level. I think maybe we're putting ourselves more in the position of the fan. I think golf is unlike any other sport where when you're watching it, you almost put yourself in the position of the athlete. Yeah. So you don't, you don't require your, you're the internal awe rather than the mm-hmm. external awe. No, yeah, that's it's getting point. a little bit, no, I it's get getting you. a little it's bit little phys- philosophical. Yeah. You're trying you're to getting get a little bit brain, inside the clubhouse, I... but um, no, I think that there might be something to that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a that's a good point. Um, look uh, at some scores said, here, Joe. Did you put yeah. anything on this week, by the way? Anything um, on last week? Any action last week? This week? Uh, last week, I, I had JT um, at forty-four to one. Okay, threw a couple bucks on him. He hung around until Sunday and then broke my heart. Uh, that is a and this week, I did not put anything down. You're but good I put at putting in, down the bets that on guys that hang around till Sunday and then break your. That's heart. it, and then that's they say you're great at that. Um, Tony Finau, stand up. I got to yeah, just start betting top tens or something like that. Um, this week, and I haven't looked at a scoreboard yet. I haven't looked at a leaderboard yet. Gary Woodland is my pick to win. Okay. Um, well, I, I do have the scoreboard open open right now. Um, if anybody had the betting favorite of Rory McIlroy. Not not looking too hot right now. He's three over yeah. through eleven. Carried um, over that Sunday struggle from a week yeah. ago. Gary Woodland uh, tees off at eleven fifty four a.m. I'm guessing that's Eastern, so he tees off in about an hour and a half. 
So that's so a, no update on that's him. Still, that's yet. still an official pick. That's still an official pick. Okay, we'll remember that next week when we come back here. VJ uh, Singh, Joe, minus three through seven. VJ is for playing. VJ is playing with Daniel Berger, or excuse, I keep saying Daniel Berger. VJ is playing with um, Bernhard Langer, and oh yeah, uh, who else is in that group? But there's something like 251 career wins in his Ernie group else? right now. Uh, yes, Ernie, Ernie, because Ernie Els is also three under through seven. So we got Ernie and VJ two off the lead. Ernie, VJ, and Bernard Langer, two hundred and fifty one career wins could, between them. I, I know a PGA Tour Live kind of does the following two groups. If they were following that group right now, I would a million percent be watching it. I don't know if they are though. I haven't checked yet. Um, we can't be the only podcast or media uh, outlet, media entity to not talk about Bryson DeChambeau's absolute unit size. Um, he's up to 240 pounds. Uh, he broke on tour at 170. I can't uh, that be that surprised. Four years ago, but he, he's drinking five protein shakes a day, and he's just trying to hit the ball as far as he can. But the proof was in the pudding. I mean, played he well. finished top five. Yeah. I think he finished 10 or 11 under last week, and he was cutting corners, doing things, hitting balls that Rory was playing with him on Sunday. He said he had a couple drives that, you know, he looked at his playing partner and was like, you got to be kidding me. So uh-huh. uh, he's, he's found something there. He is also playing with a five and a half degree driver. So he's just swinging out of his shoes with a butter knife in his hand. And um, <laughs> I will see if it's sustainable. Cause he did say he was feeling a little fatigue on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're carrying around a lot more weight. He wants to get up to two seventy, which I, there's just, what'd you, not what'd you say on, is that now? There's just, there's just two, not room on his something? frame for 270, 240 and change, I guess. I don't know how he can put on 30 more pounds. I really don't. He looks like he's about to burst right now. He, he was um, looking a little bit too big. There's there's some novelty to it, but I also think that Bryson being the scientific approach to the game and just like essentially buying into this force equals mass times acceleration and just trying to increase his mass uh, so the force can be greater. Sure, um, that's that's physics right there. It is, and it's 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 simple math, but at the same time, you start losing flexibility, which is important in a golf swing. And I think that um, I think that there's going to be adverse effects to this. I don't think that we're going to see a trend on tour of everyone trying to put weight on. No, I don't even think you'll see this trend continue forever with him because Bryson, like he, he's, I feel like he gets bored a lot. I, I know that's he's true. Always, he's very he doesn't into have the, like he's very into the science behind the game. Something and, you know, to he, analyze. He's always trying to you know get ahead, be the next step ahead. You know, go too in depth with with scientific analysis and all that. And he's going to come across something in a year or two that's going to tell him, oh wait, no, I actually shouldn't be two forty. I should be closer to like two hundred. And then he's going to drop more weight. And then people are going to talk about how he looks so great now. He just he, he seems like he's destined to be fluctuating, not just weight, but like there's going to be a new story with him every other year about some massive change he's made. Because of some article he read or some scientist he talked to, he's, uh, he's got swing. He's got swing dysmorphia, I think. Whatever that means. Swing dysmor- body dysmorphia is when you see yourself different than oh, okay. like you actually yeah. look. So I was trying to make, I was trying to make a little I was trying to make a little joke there. Oh, Matt, thanks for picking up that one. Well, you know hopefully, I'm not good with you know, hopefully you, one of the, you know I'm not hopefully good one or two words. of the listeners picked it up. Be, because you can't be pulling uh, out big words like that. Dysmorphia. There's your word of the day. There's Joe's word of the day. We haven't had that in a while. Yeah, um, or at least we just haven't pointed them out. They've been they've been in there. You could find them. Yeah, uh, Matt, we're uh, we're obviously a golf pod. We hit our we hit our golf topic there. Before we move on, uh, would you like to give a pick for the people? Well, it's already underway. I feel bad. Yeah, but close your eyes. Who do you want? I'll, I'll give you a two stroke. I'll spot you two strokes if you want. I, to I will. Someone. I will look at. I will look for. Some, I'm scrolling through for someone that has not teed off yet because I think or that's takes- somewhere somewhere within two of par. Either way, I'll take. 
Let's you know I I Talk like how, I like I like how Jordan Spieth played last week. Okay, well I, I like don't think you looked at the board because he was three he's, over, I believe already. He's, he's one under through thirteen. What? Yeah. What? Why did I? I think he started the day three over. Well, he's charging, Joe. I'm picking a guy who's trending in the right direction. He's charging. Yeah, I'm looking at his scorecard right now in true Jordan Spieth fashion. Uh, started on ten, on number twelve made a triple. Yep. Uh, and then bounced back with a birdie on thirteen. Yep. And then went birdie, 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 two, three, four. So he is charging. Guy. He's back to one under. I love that guy. Um, Jordan Spieth, the everyman. I, like, I love yeah, that. That's why I like well, he, he is such an everyman on the golf course because, like, we've all been there. We've all had days where, like, you're playing kind of well and then you explode. And then, like, the, the other way around where you kind of explode. We, 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 he's just – I love it. He's all over the he's place, kind of like both of us. Like, not obviously his swing much is, better. His but, swing is relatable, too. It's not like a factory-built swing. It's – it's Jordan Speed swing. Like if mm-hmm. you were to if you were to just have a silhouette of the swing, I think I mean most golf fans would be able to say that's Jordan. That kind mm-hmm. of over the top, handsy, one finger off the club. Like he's just kind of gaming it his way. And I think that relatability makes him a fan favorite. And hopefully he can you know hone it in enough to be there on Sundays because he's good for the game as well. Looking forward to it. Uh, Matt, should we uh, jump into some buy or sell here? Is that all we have left? Or we have, uh, let's obviously we have to talk about the NBA bubble, but let's do that through the lens of buy or sell. Buy or right? sell. We had some topics for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you—that's um, a tease. So why don't you start it off with one of your NBA? Yeah, Matt. Uh, buy or sell the anonymous hotline in the NBA. So for those uh, unaware, the NBA has a bunch of things in place for players to feel comfortable or uncomfortable and voice their opinions during this bubble scenario in Orlando. Obviously, since we've done the last pod, a lot has happened. Mm-hmm. Kyrie has stood up and had that meeting saying, you know, maybe we shouldn't have this, the optics of it as we try and raise awareness for social justice. Uh, a lot of players want to play saying, you know, this is our platform. This is, this is how we can exact change. This is how we can have our voices be best heard from just a basketball standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, things have come out. Uh, players will be allowed to wear a ring that will uh, I, that will notify them if someone is within six feet of them for more than five seconds. Um, just I think crazy it also, stuff going on. I think it's on. something to like gauge almost their their temperature as well. Something. Like yeah. If you're so, tre- not not like to to the exact, but if your temperature is trending too wrong, like to getting up too high, I can tell you. Something yes. Like that. The NBA is putting a lot of things in place, both novel and normal, um, to make sure that players feel comfortable. And uh, don't feel don't feel one it at risk or don't feel too uh, marginalized mm-hmm. and used. I think those are the two big things that the NBA has to be concerned about right now. But to go buy or sell here, buy or sell the anonymous hotline. The NBA is offering an anonymous hotline that players can call at any time if they feel uncomfortable or think that someone is breaking the rules. Buy I could the not buy this anymore. This is so NBA. <laughs> it's going to like it's you know it's anonymous, but part of it's Chris Paul has be, already set it up as his speed exactly, dial. Exactly. Like some, somebody's gonna be like somebody's gonna be tracking these calls. It's gonna leak out who's making these calls. We're gonna have even more NBA drama. And like you and I have talked about the NBA. NBA offseason, the NBA off the court stuff, and this is not to knock their on the court stuff because their on the court product is fantastic too. But their off the court product is, is right up there, and they always find ways to keep you really entertained off the court. This is another one. I can't wait to hear who tattles on who first. Is there a uh, bet in Vegas on who like who leaks out uh, as the first uh, on the first tattletale? Because like you said, I have not. Chris Paul has got to be I like think, minus yeah. two fifty. I think there's a, a likely um, there's a likely group of characters that would be minus odds there, but uh, 
I sell it because of that fact. Oh, you're gonna come have, on, have some fun I, with I buy, it. I buy a lot that's going on. We don't need the hotline because we're not going to get like the also, Zapruder tapes. We're not going to hear these calls. Like they're never going to be released. Until so we it's just – I think that it's – this one for me is a no-go. I think it's not a non-starter, but I just could do without the hotline. Everyone just needs to go about their business. It sounds like there's going to have – crazy players lounges uh in there's so there's going to be three hotels that house the different teams uh-huh. and the hotels by ranking nicest hotel to not nice hotel are being split up by seating I so love essentially so essentially if you were the if you were one of the top four or six teams in the nba to this point you get to go to the uh grand mondry i don't know what it is there's like there's one there's a floridian and if and you're another an seed, you're staying at the holiday Inn express no, it's not that bad. You're still I staying know, at a I nice know, hotel. Know, but they're going to have players' lounges with 2K and card tables. You I see heard they're going to get They're Madden. bringing in – they're bringing in – they're getting Madden before everyone. Mm-hmm. They're going to – they're they're, they're, the they're, they're likely going to be sent copies of Madden 21. Fantastic. They're, oh, and unreleased movies they're going to be given. So I think that this could make for like a very memorable experience. Obviously, you'd like to be at home with your family. But the one thing that it does do that I think players are going to be very, very happy about – is that during the playoffs, I mean, guys take tens and tens and tens of flights, which affects your body. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're in a seven-game series, that's a flight. Let's say you're the away team in a seven-game series. You're flying to the, uh, to, your, to the home city. That's one flight. Then you're flying back to your city for games three and four. That's two flights. Then you're going. Uh, what's the setup? They, do they go one one one? So then they, they, yeah. So NBA Finals goes no, two, it's two three two. three two. But every, two, three, NBA, two. NBA Finals but that's still two, two, every, that's no, still every other series a minimum one, of one. So it's a minimum of three flights yeah. each series if you're going to seven. They're not flying anywhere. It's one flight to Florida and then sit down. Their bodies are going to feel so much better mm-hmm. through this situation. I think that's going to be something where you know they're all hyper tuned to their numbers and their body and their health, their inflammation is going to be so much lower. And I think that players are going to be pleasantly surprised by that. So I think that I the NBA think, is on course for a very successful conclusion to the season. I think that's a great point. And I do think while people are complaining about, you know, not complaining, but saying, you know, the, the product early is going to struggle because, you know, people are getting readjusted to this, you know, new format and they haven't played in a while and all, all that. And that's very, uh, very valid points. I, I, I would agree with them. I do think by the time you get into the thick of the playoffs, and you're in the second round of the playoffs, you're in the, the you know the conference finals. These guys have played 25 some games. They're used to their routines. Their bodies are very fresh. I think we're going to see some some of the best basketball, some of the best product we've seen in a while. Because, like you said, these guys' bodies aren't going to be a at the end of a you know 100 plus game basketball season including playoffs but b not having to fly everywhere you know four times a week three times a week to complete a seven game series i i I think the product is going to be that much better towards the end of these playoff series even though it might suffer a little bit early on and also from a like from a production standpoint it presents so many opportunities from you know not necessarily miking up players because they were very they were pushing back on that but camera angles to make it feel like you're watching it at the la fitness and not you know, uh, in an empty uh, facility yeah. like the wide world of sports. So I'm very interested to see how the NBA um, just goes about their business here over the next few did, months. Did they say what, like, the punishment is for somebody who gets caught? Uh, possibility of suspension, games, or fines. Like, you could be – you could. oh, no, no, no. For, I'm saying if you break the rules, like if you leave the bubble, you could be fined. There's okay. no punishment for calling. Oh. So then what's the point of the hotline, I guess? Well, if you catch someone doing something wrong, then that's... Oh, okay. Oh. 
Yeah, I, I saw LeBron uh, leave the facility to go do this. I'm not Kawhi Leonard. That was a bad joke. Sorry. Um, yeah, I was just no. – sorry, I was taken back. I, I just went to my Twitter feed to look at Stadium just released a picture of oh, yeah. uh, the, the a helmets? possible COVID helmet. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I don't, I don't want it. I, no, I don't, I don't no, either. We can't, we can't do this. I don't think we that's going to be a thing. They're super athletes. They'll be fine. I don't I'm think. Sorry if to... that's insensitive, but I, I don't think we're going to be seeing those helmets. All right, hit me. Um, what did I have? Buy or sell? Um, ESPN said that if college football is delayed, Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler could likely be the Monday Night Football. I'm not sure if ESPN said that, but it was reported that they were considering that. So either way, buy or sell if that is the case a Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, Monday Night Football booth. I totally buy that booth for any sporting event. I sell the fact that the NFL hasn't decided who's filling their Monday night slot. Like, if the NFL's entertaining this idea or using this as a fallback, that means they don't have a Monday night crew set in stone yet, which Mm -hmm. is unacceptable. But uh, I buy the Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet crew anywhere and everywhere. Obviously, it'll feel a little different. They they know the college game the most, not to say they don't know the pro game. I'm sure that they're watching Sunday football on Sundays. But um, anywhere we can get Fowler and Herbie in the mix, I'm in. Who do you want in your Monday night crew? Of the, Me. It, it's a, okay. You're, Me you're, and you. Uh, you know, we could send in some tapes. I still got a couple. <laughs> um, no, to be honest, I, 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 want, I, want Lewis Riddick. I want Lewis Riddick as the color commentator. I know that. Lewis Riddick I would be great. I love Lewis Riddick. I think he's incredibly insightful. I think he knows a, a hell of a lot about the game. I also like Dan Orlovsky as like a player, like a player perspective, eh. or at least like the quarterback perspective. But I don't, I don't eh. want him as I don't want him as the main, you know, color commentator. I, I put I put Dilfer in there before Orlovsky. Well, Dilfer's the head coach at some uh, high school in Tennessee, so I don't know if yeah. he's leaving that job. Are they are soon, they so. paying Are they paying a million flat a game? Because yeah. I don't think they are. You never know. Yeah, um, but uh, no, it's a it's a. Quite the conundrum uh, ESPN finds themselves in. Uh, life after Gruden has not gone as smoothly as possible. So smooth. But throw Mike Tirico back in there with someone, and uh, I think you'll be all right. I think the play-by-play name I saw a lot was Steve Levy, who I'm yeah. fine with him. I think he's fine. I don't think he's fantastic. I don't think he's by any means bad. And if that's well, he does a great kinda, job. It just doesn't have the feet. It feels like the Boca Raton Bowl. That's, you know, that's when we hear it feels like the Armed Forces Bowl. But if you um, don't have a better option right now, He's not a bad place holder. He's a holder legend. He's, a legend. He, he, yeah, he's, he's yeah. a big name. Everybody knows. I, I know he hasn't called the bigger games lately. He was more obvious. He was their big hockey guy. Hasn't been with ES, doing hockey for ESPN in a while. But he's a big name that can be a placeholder until you have your big name that you want. Yeah. Matt, um, I got another one for you. Kind of related to what we were talking about NFL-wise. Buy or sell the NFL bubble. Uh, Anthony Fauci came out today and said that the NFL needs to start thinking about modeling a plan after the NBA, which I don't think he understands how many players are on a roster in the NFL. But yeah. he's saying that if the NFL wants to go on with their business, uh, they need to have a contingency plan to coordinate players in a bubble type scenario as well. I don't. I, I do. I buy that they should be considering it, looking into all the options. You know that, that they have. Absolutely, it's impossible. That's what they. I mean, you should. Be. That's what I'm getting at as well. Uh, should they be, you know, considering all options, looking at all? Yes, but it's not possible given the sheer size, 
there's nowhere that can hold 32 teams of 53 players. And that's just when you get to the regular season, because we're in the preseason, those rosters start at 90 plus, you know, double that for staff and, you know, uh, co- you know yeah. coaching staff, you know, player personnel. Medical staff. Medical. Yeah. It's just not possible. You can try and create, you know, put each team in their own little bubble in their own hometown, you know, their, their, their hometowns, whatever. But in terms of not having travel, getting all these teams into one city is not going to be possible. I, I don't logistically see one city, how, how that could be at all possible, here's, keeping these guys safe at the same time. Here's something for you, Matt. I love something. The PGA Tour just tested everyone in Fort Worth and then tested everyone again in South Carolina or in, uh, in, at Harvard. South Carolina, yeah. South Carolina. 900 tests were administered, zero positive tests. These guys are standing right near each other. They're sharing a locker room. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're doing things to make sure that they stay safe, but it is possible to have a large number of people travel from one place to another and nobody gets sick. It's yeah. very, very possible. Yes, we have to get ready to watch NFL football without fans. That might be the reality for at least the first half of the season or until a, a true green light is given and the yeah. numbers are controlled. But the idea of sending all 32 NFL teams to one city to play football is not realistic. You I, have I more, you're more likely to get sick I in agree. that scenario than allowing these teams of, let's say, a 50-some 50, uh, 50 man roster. What, they got bumped to what this year? 54? Uh, they, they got bumped up a couple. I don't 56, know I think. Let's say a 56-man roster, double it. Let's say 100 people per each team. It is more than feasible for 100 people. of people in one city. It's more than yeah, it's I, I more exactly than feasible for a group of 100 people to travel from city to city to play a football game and be safe. Plus, I, I know people are saying people are and rightfully so, you know, nervous about traveling right now, nervous about going to airports, all that type of stuff. These guys aren't traveling like us. They're not going and waiting in security lines at midnight. No. They're going from you know the team charter to, to the team charter. Yeah. They're walking across a runway to team charter. I mean, yeah. it's it's not like they're they're being put at, at risk in front, you know, in airports in, you know, use contaminated airplane, not that I'm sure airlines are doing a great job of, you know, decontaminating airplanes. That's not, not the point. They're going from and point A to point B. There's not these stops in between. It's a lot safer to, to keep be, them separated, go from bus to plane, to locker room, to field, back to bus, plane, locker room. Like, it's just easier to do that. Not to be truly morose about this as well, but I think that you're, risk of severe life-threatening bodily injury on an NFL playing field on a day-to-day basis is greater than the the fatality risk of an NFL player who contracts COVID-19. Yes, it's possible that there's a number of players with quote-unquote pre-existing conditions Uh in the NFL, but if anybody is safer in a organized scenario it's an NFL super athlete who's going to be able to combat this disease, this virus, if they do contract it. Uh-huh. I, uh, you can look at the numbers and refute what I'm saying here, but the, the chance that a player has a career-ending injury on the field would be commensurate to that of them seriously being in harm's way of this virus that has really crippled our nation. But at the same time, I, I think that if you're worried about players clashing and hitting each other and contracting the virus that way, we're getting a little bit out there. Yeah, no, I think me. that's a, I think that's a very, very fair and 
honest, realistic point of view of it. I, I would totally um, agree with you. You got anything else? Uh, yeah, I got Cam Newton. We talked about him a bunch, but he's still unsigned, and I don't know. People were talking about him on T. I think he had a, oh, it was a video with working out with Odell Beckham, and then some people were saying, oh, the Browns should sign him. I'm just going to ask you, buy or sell? We might have even asked the same question before, but he's still not on a roster. Buy or sell, Cam Newton is on an NFL roster by the start of training camp. I buy it. Um, he's too good of a backup. And if he's open to the idea of being a backup, which he said in the past that he is – uh, he'll be on a team. Maybe buy or sell by when? What we Beginning of training camp. May, I maybe sell that. By week okay. one, he's on a roster somewhere. Um, there's too many bad backups for Cam Newton not to be a backup somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think given the opportunity, he'll be a starter in this league again if he can prove his health, that his shoulders are okay, that his legs are okay, that his hips are okay, that, that he's not um, aged beyond productivity, which, you know, last year was definitely a drop-off numbers-wise, but we're talking about a former MVP, a former conference champion, uh, a guy who knows how to lead in a very individual, not, not in a very individual way, but he knows how to lead in a very specific way that I mm. think a lot of guys respond to. People want to play with Cam Newton. It's not like he's been ostracized by his, uh, by his peers. Owners and general managers are just a little bit hesitant about bringing him in. Um, and it, it pays to play, and Cam Newton is going to be an expensive backup if you do bring him in. So you really have to have that cap space. Only a few teams have that, and then match that with teams that have that space and also a need at quarterback. So it is becoming a little bit touch and go, but I do think that just from a skill standpoint, Cam Newton, the football player, needs to be on a roster somewhere by week one. He'll be on a roster somewhere at some point this season. Uh, week one, pro- I, I would probably tend to agree with you, but at some point, someone's going. If it's not the they want to bring him in as a backup, at some point, a quarterback's going to go down for a significant portion, you know, period of time, and that's uh, not. Uh, I don't. Instead of you know trotting out Nate Sudfield or someone like there for five six games, someone's probably going to want to take a flyer on Cam Newton if somebody has already. So I, I'm with yeah. you. He, he plays somewhere this season. I'm just not sure exactly when. Um, Matt, that's all I got. Yeah, I don't really have anything else. It's nice seeing you this weekend. Oh, yeah, it was a blast. Um, We will have a full course review dropping in the next day plus of uh, Bowes Creek in Elgin. Bit of a drive from the Chicagoland area, 40, 45 minutes, but... It all is like every everything's a forty minute drive from the city. Exactly, uh, you're not you're, you're not play. playing a great course too close to to downtown. No, so make the drive. Um, I will give you my. We'll give us. We'll give you guys our full breakdown coming on that pod later in the week. A Bose Creek review, everything from the range to pin placements. Uh, we're gonna uh-huh. break it all down. But uh, if you're looking for a course to play today, I'd say make the drive. Uh, that's that's our little tease for Bose Creek, and uh, we will have that coming your way here in the next 48 hours. But uh, for now, for Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. Thank you for listening to the Moose and Roots podcast episode, whatever it is. Uh, 157. There you go. We appreciate you. As always, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Send us those mailbags. Get involved. A lot of questions to be asked here with so much up in the air in the sporting world. Hopefully, we can give you some answers. But for now, that's going to do it for the Moose and Moons podcast. For Matt, I'm Joe. We'll see you guys soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise. 
and the blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.